How's it going, everybody? I am Austin from Apostles Attic, and we are back today for another Faithful Dialogue. And with me, I have my friend Ryan. Hello, my name's Ryan, and you can find me online at As It Is Written basically everywhere. So I hope you go check that out over on YouTube and TikTok specifically. All right. Ryan, I have a group of questions for you. Are you ready to get started? I am ready to dive right on into it. So let's, I wanted to kind of um, frame this in the way of the story that's kind of all about Jesus, and I wanted to start in Genesis. And I know in our previous episodes, we have covered pretty much the creation. God created the world or the universe or reality in six days. He rested on the seventh. That's where we get the Sabbath, the day of rest. Then he uh, <clears throat> created Adam from the dust of the of the ground. Um had Adam name all the plants and animal or animals. I'm not sure about the plants, but <clears throat> uh, causes um, sees that it's not good for Adam to be alone. Causes Adam to go under a deep sleep. Takes a rib from Adam. Closes up the womb. Makes Eve from the rib from Adam. So we have got Adam and Eve now, our, our first two human beings. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, and that's kind of as far as we went. Uh, from what we've covered in the previous episodes. So I kind of wanted to start and kind of go in a chronological sequence um, in some sort of way. And we'll kind of make this into a series and starting in Genesis. And we'll kind of uh, pick up where we kind of left off in previous points uh, at Cain and Abel. Those are the first two children born from Adam and Eve. And we can look at scripture as we're kind of going along. Yeah, exactly. It sounds great. I'm excited to kind of go through the Bible like this with you. It's going to take us a number of weeks, I'm sure, to, to get through everything. And we'll never yeah. cover everything enough. Uh, so that leaves us plenty of faithful dialogues ahead. Uh, do you want to read chapter 4 verses, uh, what is it, 1 through, uh, looks like about 5. Uh, actually, yeah. let's do 1 through, uh, one through, let's do, one. yeah, 1 through 5 right now. I can do, all right, so Genesis 1 through 5? Mm-hmm. Uh, Genesis chapter 4. So uh, do you see my screen? So your screen right now from what I oh, see. Oh, let me, let me go. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. There we go. All righty. So let's look right here at, um, now Adam knew his wife. Is that what you want me to mm -hmm. pick up? Exactly. All right. <clears throat> now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother, Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Okay. So... Okay. Yeah. Did you have a question or what were you going to say? No, I was just going to keep reading. Um, so let's just uh, stop here real quick. What we see in this first paragraph is a lot of information, but there's also a lot of stuff that uh, we don't have the background for. So even in chapters three, two, or one, we don't see exactly where Cain and Abel are told what they should be sacrificing and what it would take for God to respect that. So we don't see what the law was for them at that time. We'll see later what the law is as it is given to the Jews, and then we'll see Jesus Christ overturn, not overturn, but fulfill that law, and um, and we live under, in the freedom of that law being fulfilled, but we have all the way back here in chapter 4 of Genesis, 
they don't have the Jewish laws given to them. They don't have any of the uh, the Ten Commandments except for one. They have one of the Ten Commandments, and they know about because we know that they know about the Sabbath because that was instituted at creation where God rested on the seventh day. But other than that, they don't have any of the any of that other Jewish stuff that we think of. They don't have Passover. They don't have any of that kind of stuff. And so what we see is, is that there is an offering that's right and an offering that's wrong, an offering that's respected and off, an offering that isn't. But we don't exactly know what the differences of those are, except that what we see in, in verse 4 of chapter 4, Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. How would fat. They even know to bring an offering in the first place? Like, if I was Abel or Cain, like... Where, yeah, where is this information coming from even? So we'll we'll see later on in this chapter that they actually still have some kind of a direct communication line with God. So God okay. actually shows up and they have a conversation in uh verses 8 and 9 it looks like or might start in verse 6. Uh but what we see is that they have some kind of a, a communication channel with God where they are able to communicate with him and he communicates to them that Cain's or the Abel's offering is respected and that Cain's was disrespected. And so we see that Abel brought his firstborn. So the firstborn of the flock uh, and of their fat. When it says fat, it's just talking about their uh, abundance. So the first that he brought the first things, the best of what his land produced. Uh, and it looks like that is of his actual uh, herds. So he's bringing animals and is making a blood sacrifice, whereas uh, Cain wants to bring a sacrifice of grain. He said of the an offering of the fruit of the ground, and so God My doesn't. Li- yeah, well, it's not just his stuff. It's 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 vegetation. So it's vegetation versus animals. Uh, now the the only uh, you know what I'm incorrect about something. Let me go back to chapter 3. There is one indication I just remembered that, that God just brought back to my attention. Um, what was it? it uh, you are at the fall and the curse right there. Yes, 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 yes. So, um... It says, because you drink your cattle more than the, every piece of fuel... Eat all the days of your life. Open. I mean, you, okay. Um. So basically, what is it? Because you. All these are like thorns and thistles. You shall eat the herb of the field and the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground for. Like, I don't know. Okay. Okay, never mind. I'm sorry. It doesn't uh, quite say what I thought it did. I'm sorry about all that dead space. So, yeah, basically, we don't exactly know where Cain and Abel got told what they needed to offer. And so... Imagine their dad would tell them Adam, right? Exactly. Or, like I said, that they got a direct communication from God himself. So that is entirely possible. We do see that, Possible. Right? Yeah, we do see that later on in the chapter... 
they actually do have that that direct communication. Uh, we see that in verse eight. Now, Cain, which is like, oh no, I'm sorry. Like, then verse nine. I'm trying to still kind of see how that would actually manifest in a physical way. And is that like a voice coming from the heavens? Because we know in the Gospels, it's like you know, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. So it's like, but but is is the Lord walking around physically at this point? Is it the Father? Is it Jesus? Like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of um, I'm, like I'm wanting to take it into a philosophical place almost, or or theological yeah. place. Right? Well, and those are those are great questions. I I don't know the answer to them. Those are those are definitely mysteries at the moment. And my belief and my understanding is that it's our job as kings and priests to actually go and to search out Seek the answers out. to those yeah. mysteries rather than just accept them as being mysterious forever. There's clues in the text here. If we read it properly and if we look at all of the words that are specifically used in different places, we can see... My guess is that there are answers to those questions that you have, if that makes yeah. sense. So, if we're diligent and we yeah. seek him. Yeah, exactly. And so what we see here is that there was a right offering and a wrong offering. The right offering and the correct offering required that you spill blood to cover your sins, essentially. Uh, and that doesn't actually properly work, because that, but that's what you're supposed to do as a, uh, as a sign of what Jesus would ultimately do on the cross, where his blood was shed for the remission of our sins. And so we this see that this... This is like a faith in God moment, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, one of the ways you could show that you had faith in God was by offering these sacrifices properly. And so yeah. that's that's what we need to do in, in our lives today. But we, we have a they they got to directly interact with and communicate with God, whereas we get God's word through his uh more sure uh word of prophecy. And so we see we get the actual text written down of exactly what God wants us to do they didn't necessarily get this written down the way that we have it. So every every generation gets a little bit different information, and, and we got to do with it what the Lord wants us to. And so ultimately we see that Cain talked with Abel and ultimately came to pass where when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And so in verse 9 it says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And so we see that God finds out about this sin and ultimately curses Cain because of the sin that he committed where he murdered Abel. And so instead of the line of humanity being passed down to the firstborn, uh, Cain, uh, he was still alive uh, because he killed Abel, but... Uh, but what we see is that the the actual generations, the the uh, Noah, the person who ultimately continues the family line of humanity, comes from the third son. His name is Seth, and we seen and we see him be born uh, in verse twenty five. And so that's Cain and Abel for you. There's one that gave a right offering of animals and the firstborn of those animals, and there's another that gave a wrong offering, and that was of vegetation, and it wasn't the first fruits of that vegetation, it was just whatever he had laying around. And so I think that's kind of what we can see in this text, is the difference between those two offerings. Uh, any okay. any questions you have about it, or do we, do we want to move on to no, the so... genealogies? 
Yeah, so let's go move into the genealogies. And I know there's basically a really cool gospel message that's all that's hidden basically in the names of these individuals. And you kind of have to know that in Hebrew, things mean things. And if we heard it in English, it would sound completely different. So like Adam means man. So if I ever had to use that word, it would just mean man or like, would it mean male or is it speaking of mankind when you say that? Uh, I, I'm not a Hebrew scholar and I don't speak <laughs> Hebrew, so I, I couldn't tell you exactly, but it, it means generally like mankind or man as in you are a man, you are an Adam. That's how you would kind of use it, I think, but I don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert like, in so Hebrew man grammar. Is... Well, because you have, uh, and then Eve is woman, so it's almost like um, man, like the man is the Adam and the woman is the Eve or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, so basically in, in Hebrew, names mean things like, uh, and even, and they even do that even in the New Testament when Jesus renames um, Simon to Peter and mm -hmm. calls him, which means like pebble or little rock or like mm -hmm. something like that, right? Yep. So it's really in in the hebrew culture names are important and so in the genealogy of the people all the way back even before the flood um the first couple people coming out of adam and eve right we have this really cool gospel message that's tucked away in the names of these individuals so go ahead and take exactly it us, Ryan. yeah so we see in chapter uh five we see the family of adam and we could go through and we could read all of these, but that would take us a long time and it's pretty boring. Uh, but basically what we see in each one of these little paragraphs is it's a different human being in the line from Adam to Noah. And so it'll give you... Uh, so let's take Seth, for example. We'll read, we'll read just Seth. So in verse 6, it says, Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. So at 105 years old, he had his son Enosh. After he begot Enosh, he lived 807 years and had seven sons and had sons and daughters. So there were other sons and daughters besides Enosh that he had over the next 807 years. And then it tells us, so all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. So it gives us a bunch of detailed information about each one of these people. And so, well, but we're not going to look at that other information. It's interesting how long they lived. I believe that this is all inerrant and accurate, that they actually lived those number of years. But what we see here is a list of names. And there's 10 names going from Adam all the way down to, to Noah. And so they all lived for different amounts of time and, and had different stories. And those are all amazing to look into and, and lots of uh, different stuff you can learn from, from each one of those men's lives. Uh, that we know about, at least that's recorded. Um, but we can see here that there is a table with the Hebrew name on the left and then what that word translates to on the right. So we see even in... Uh, so he, in this first sentence, chapter 5, verses, verse 1. Can you read that for me real quick, Austin? Chapter 5, verse 1. So that right at the top here. Oh, oh can you not see that? I'm bit. sorry. Th that you're good. All right. Chapter five. This is the book. <clears throat> All right. Sorry. This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day that God created man, he would made him in the likeness of God. He created okay. the male and Sorry. I, I it, literally just that first sentence. So what we see here is uh, we see the word Adam. 
and we see the word man. If you look in Hebrew, those are the same word. And so what a translator did was decided that in genealogy of Adam, it's a proper noun referring to a specific human being, the first man, Adam. And then later on, literally in this, just this next sentence right next to it, it says, in the day that God created man, man would have been the exact same word as Adam, but it's translated here man because it's talking about more general, the creation of all people. But it could have just as easily said uh, in the day that God created Adam, and that would have been a proper translation as well. So what we see is that each of these have meanings. Each of these, these names have an actual English meaning. So... Adam is Seth, or sorry, Adam is man, Seth is appointed, Enosh is mortal, Kenan means sorrow, Mahalalel means the blessed God, Jared means shall come down, Enoch means teaching, Methuselah means his death shall bring, Lamech means the despairing, and Noah means rest or comfort. And so if we read this all as like a little paragraph or sentence here, we, it says, man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring the despairing comfort or rest. And so what we see there is actually a uh, 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 the very first iteration of the gospel that we see in the Bible. This is the first place that it, that it pops up in more specifics than, uh, well, I guess it, it pops up in chapter 3 where it says that uh, that a descendant of Eve is going to crush the head of the serpent. Uh, so we see that as, as, a, as a bit of the gospel. This is a little bit more revealing of the gospel of exactly kind of how it's going to work. So And so explain that in the, in the lens of, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, God, you know, came to this earth through a virgin birth and allowed his life to be a sacrifice on the cross to pay for my sins and he died and was buried and three days later he was resurrected and that my belief in him is what and all of that is what um you know gets me salvation right so like yeah how how is that this so what we see here is man appointed mortal sorrow so the first part there is talking about the current state that all humans are in especially at this point, but even today, man is appointed to die. We, we are born, we have a certain number of days, and then every single person ends up dying, except for two so far. Uh, we'll talk about them later, actually. One of them is in this list. Um, and so, so every person's appointed to die, and that's a problem. So this is not seen as a good thing. It's, it's sorrowful, it's sad. So man's appointed mortal sorrow. Uh, the blessed God, so we have God, he's going to come down, okay, he's going to teach, and so what we see is Jesus Christ is God, he came down and was born of a virgin in, uh, in Bethlehem around zero, around the year zero, and we see that over the three years of his ministry, he's teaching, and what he was teaching is that his death shall bring so he's teaching, Jesus is teaching that his death shall bring the despairing, so those who are appointed mortal sorrow, so we're all despairing, we're all sorrowful, okay, rest or comfort. And so he's teaching that his death shall bring rest or comfort, and that's exactly what Jesus did. He taught, he died, 
and he brought us comfort and we can we have that comfort today but what this is saying even in this genealogy is that they had that comfort then too and they could be part of the children of god by trusting in this message that was given even in the genealogies of the names of these people uh in the earliest parts of the bible so that's uh that's what i got on that uh we we see that each one of these men i believe they actually lived for the time periods outlined in the book of genesis chapter 5 and so i believe that adam did live 900 years that Methuselah lived to be 969. Interesting thing about Methuselah is he was, uh, he is the, uh, sorry. <laughs> so, um, he's the oldest man in the Bible, but ultimately he ends up dying before his father. So that's kind of an interesting little conundrum there. And what we see in Enoch, we'll go and look at chapter 5. Verse 21, I have it highlighted there for you, Austin, if you'd like to read that for us. All right. <clears throat> Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Yes, so that's a pretty interesting turn of phrase there and what essentially it's saying is that enoch was the first person to be raptured so there is a teaching in a lot of protestant denominations called the millennium and so we believe that jesus christ is going to come back and he's going to physically reign on the earth but before that happens he's going to take his church up to be with him the exact same way that enoch was taken up before the flood so he didn't have to endure the trials and tribulations of the flood itself because he was taken away before it happened and so i believe that that's what's going to happen to god to christ's church before a period of tribulation before jesus christ then ultimately comes back and so what we need to look at in the bible are shadows of things that are going to happen in the future so this isn't proof that the rapture is going to happen. Enoch being raptured doesn't prove that the church will be, but it gives us something to look at and look towards uh, when we see the rapture happening in later chapters in the New Testament, if that makes sense. Yeah. All uh, right. Um, so let's see. Yeah. We have, so that's the, that's the history of, uh, the world before the flood and we don't know a whole heck of a lot about that world it must have been quite fascinating and interesting and I'm, I'm really excited to talk to those people who were who were saved from that uh, experience uh, once we're all in heaven together but this is a this is a weird time to be alive they they, they may have been far more technologically uh, powerful than we give them, than we, uh, than we can understand or know. There's actually a lot of people like Joe Rogan who have had guests on their podcasts that would talk about how a lot of the, like, ancient Egyptian, like the pyramids, the pyramids are much older than what 
is currently believed by Egyptologists. They think and what, it's like the um, it was pre-flood. Well, I would say it was pre-flood. They wouldn't use those terms because they don't believe in the biblical flood. But I would say that the way that they argue and the timelines that they're using to argue from line up with those events happening and those things being built before the flood happened. And so if you look at what types of structures would survive a global worldwide flood like that, the only things that would even have a chance of surviving are things like the Great Pyramids. Any big of stone our things. Yeah, big <laughs> big stone things. Our modern um our modern skyscrapers wouldn't have a chance, right? Like they can't it's even all metal and glass. Like the glass would if we made things out of glass, like uh, I mean, but the the water it would be too strong, it'd crack and break, right? Exactly. So we're we're not talking about like a swimming pool's worth of water. We're talking about a Mount Everest's worth of water over the top of these skyscrapers. So every 33 feet that you go underwater, that's equivalent to one atmosphere's worth of pressure. And so you're if you're talking about miles so uh, Everest is about 28,000 feet tall and a mile's about 5,000 feet. So Everest is almost six miles tall. So we're talking about six miles of water that would have been crushing anything underneath it. So, yeah, it would have to be big stone things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The only things that could even stand a chance are giant Artificial stone mountains, basically. <laughs> Like the 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 sky the skyscrapers, if they had withstood the initial rushing water coming in and and weren't swept away from that, if they had withstood that, they would have just been crushed like a coke can. But um, yeah. So the I I believe that that literally happened. That there was a literal worldwide flood that killed off everything, and so that leads us into Noah, because that's what we're talking about right now is Noah and the flood. Um, so. We, we started doing what God commanded us to. We began to multiply the face of the whole earth. And so that's what we see in chapter 6, verses 1. And so can you read verse uh, 2 for me? Yeah. Oh, uh, we'll start actually right before that. Um, okay. Now it came to pass when the men began to multiply on the face of the earth and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men... Wait, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Okay. So this has caused a lot of arguments in the church. There are two basic premises here uh, that different churches will go with. 90% of churches go with the premise that there are uh, basically two groups here we're, we're looking at the um sons of god are going to be the sons of seth this is called the sethite view so the sons of god are described are, are uh, is another they're claiming in this view which i do not agree with so let me just preface that they claim that the sons of god in this passage refers to sethites or children of seth so they were not the children of cain who killed abel so they weren't under a curse that Cain was under. And so these Sethites uh, took beautiful daughters of the Cain the Cainite women is essentially the Sethite view of this passage. And so wait, it's wait, saying wait, wait, wait. can you uh, 
I, I'm having a hard time with that one more time. I, I think I okay. just kind of blanked there. Seth and Kane, the Sethite and Kane. Can you explain so the, the, the thing? Do, do you remember who Seth and Kane were? So Seth yeah. is the the third son of Adam and Eve. Kane is the second son. Cain killed Abel, the first son of Adam and Eve, and yeah. he and he got cursed. And so we see that a couple chapters back that Cain ends up getting cursed. And so in this theory, they claim that that curse means that their that his daughters were the daughters of men where Seth wasn't cursed and so his sons are called the sons of God. And so and it says ultimately they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Now the so the the basic premise of this whole little paragraph would be that there were these good godly people who ended up taking wives from bad evil people. And that's essentially the the dumbed down version of what that that belief is. And I'd be more than happy to listen to anybody who who understands that better than me because they actually believe it. And if you could explain it and defend it better, I'm open. I'm open to that because uh, I don't want to seem like I'm just bashing on it. I'm not trying to make it seem silly, but it, it does sound a little silly to me personally reading it that way because that's not what the words are at all. Um, and so what we what we see is that. Uh, the word used of the sons of God. So we see the sons of God word right here. Uh, in the rest, so the actual Hebrew is a is a word called Benaiha Elohim. Okay, say that three times fast. But uh, Benaiha Elohim is the Hebrew word for a direct creation of God. So so like far, an yeah. angels and Adam. Okay, and so yes, Cur uh, currently. Uh, I'm not even sure that Eve qualifies as a Benaiha Elohim. Uh, okay. I, she might. I'm not sure. That's an interesting question. But let me let me uh, explain. So a, a Benaiha Elohim is something that was created directly by God. So like you said, angels, and currently the only other one we know of is Adam. And so, so I, I, what I mean yeah. by that is, didn't he like? Didn't he like you know put Adam under a sleep and then take the rib out and because like because man didn't do that right that's what it is. correct that's my thought but process on that the the reason why it I don't believe Eve is considered a Benaiha Elohim is because she was created out of Adam so there was something oh. necessary from Adam to create her uh, if we look at it from a modern you know. 21st century perspective we'd probably say that she was she had adam's dna had some part in the creation of eve uh we don't i don't know that specifically because obviously that terminology isn't used in chapter what two of the bible <laughs> um but i would i would imagine that they shared some kind of a a dna together not in a creepy like brother sister way but in in a yeah so she wasn't a direct creation of God because Adam was literally formed out of the dust. So God took nothing and created Adam. He then took Adam and created Eve from Adam. And so that's that's its own separate thing a little bit. But uh, So Adam and the angels, to my understanding, are the only things at this point that are Benaiha Elohim, that are direct creations of God. And so the Sethite view that that it's talking about good Sethites taking bad, evil Cainites 
to wed doesn't make sense to me. So what my belief is, is that when it's talking about Benaiha Elohim in this passage, it's talking about some kind of angelic or demonic being. Okay? And so what I believe, and this, again, 90% of churches don't agree with me. I'm just going to state that flat out so you understand where I'm coming from. But what makes sense to me is that there were demons or devils or satanic forces of some kind, fallen creatures came down or came to earth or inhabited earth at that time, and they were mingling with human women. So that, that is my reading of this passage. And so because of that corruption, because there were these demons or devils or fallen angels, evil beings that came in and started messing with the DNA, with the, the generational lines of human beings, God had to, you had to enact the flood to rid the world of those plagues. And so we could, they, they potentially could have had technology similar to ours for all we know. For all we know, Noah came from a world of the same level of technology as ours because they had, they had had thousands of years and every single one of those people had more perfect and working knowledge of the universe than any of us do. They, they to I some haven't so, even considered that. That's actually pretty uh, nuts. Yeah. Know. So there could, there could have been a lot of technology and a lot of science or who knows what going on at that time. Uh, that would have allowed those demons or those devils to start corrupting that flesh. It says specifically that they took them for wives uh, and that they, uh, yeah, so that, so it sounds like they were actually probably having some kind of marital relations with them and causing this corruption of the flesh. So, uh, where was it that, uh, Okay, it says okay. So then in the second in the second part, cha uh, verse 3 of chapter 6, can you read that through verse 4, through verses 3 and 4 of chapter 6? Uh, uh back up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I, I need to get used to that. And the Lord said, "My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years." There were giants on the f on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men of, who were of old, men of renown. Okay, and so in this paragraph, <clears throat> paragraph, we see a little bit more about what it meant for these Benaiha Elohim to come in and they bore children. Okay, so these Benaiha Elohim have some kind of relations with the daughters of men, and they have some kind of an offspring from this. Okay, and this created a group or a, 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 a we'll call them a race of people who actually had greater strength and, and different powers than a normal human being. And so they were of old the men of renown. So there's there were stories of these people. What I would say personally is that that what we're starting to see is where the Greek pantheon came from. So I believe, let me just give my personal belief on this passage. This is not necessary that you agree with me for salvation, so we can disagree on this and, and you're all good. But my belief on what happened here is that this is where the Greek pantheon comes from. So we see Zeus. Zeus has uh, different 
versions of the exact same god in multiple different uh, multiple different religions. So the Vikings would call him Thor. That Thor and Zeus have almost exactly the same powers and capabilities and very similar personalities and stories about them from my understanding. There is a uh, an Indian religion that I believe calls him Indra. Uh, there's a few other names for Zeus among other religions that all have a god of lightning and thunder. And what we what's interesting to me is you actually see that that Lucifer or Satan is described as an angel of light. And so it's possible, and, and my belief is that Satan is Zeus, and that there's other demons or devils or whatever they're called that existed at the at one point and actually did a lot of these things and actually ha came into the daughters of men. And so we see in Greek history that we see Zeus coming down and having marital or having relations with women on Earth, and that creates demigods like Hercules. So Hercules would be one of the most um, he would have been one of those men of renown, okay? And so my really belief is that this is where the, the Greek pantheon came from. You also look at what their story of creation is. The story of creation in these religions is that they locked away their father. <laughs> so their father created the universe, and then they locked him away. That's exactly the story that, that the devil would tell, because it's the it's kind of the flip side of what actually really happened, where God banished them. He banished them from heaven, okay? Where they're going to say, he, God didn't banish us from heaven, we banished him to heaven. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so if you look at it from that perspective, these Greek, these Norse, all of these old mythological uh, religions make a lot more sense and actually kind of line up with what the Bible sort of teaches us here in chapter 6 of Genesis, is that there were these godlike creatures that came down and had relations with human women. That's what, that's what this is saying, in my opinion. And, and there's very good scholarship and, and very intelligent people that agree with me on that. And, and so I, I just find that pretty that fascinating. That sounds really cool. That sounds really interesting. I like that connection. <laughs> I, I would cool. love to see that as a... Uh, that would, dude, that would be a dope like cinematic universe. Like, imagine it's the real telling of Marvel superheroes, and it's like pre-flood, and you see <laughs> like, and they're all evil, like zoo. Like, it's basically like, uh, have you ever heard of a TV show called The Boys? I do not recommend it. It's a very vulgar and crass and not wicked show, but it's basically like a bunch of evil superheroes. <laughs> and okay. I, that's essentially what it sounds like was actually happening on the planet back before the flood and so basically because of how evil men had become with the corruption of flesh from these demons or devils god had to send the flood to destroy all of that and so when when we see noah come into the picture so noah is the only human being besides his three sons and their wives so his three sons their his sons wives and his wife and him are the only uh eight people to survive the flood there's nine people that live through the flood, but there's eight people that survive the flood, Noah, his wife, and their sons and, and wives. And so um, what we see here, he enters the picture here in verse 9, and it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, okay, so he was justified before God, and he was perfect in his generations. 
which is not talking about him being perfect or sinless. It's saying that he's perfect in his lineage. So he had not been corrupted by these B'nai Ha Elohim, these direct creations of God earlier. His family had stayed away from all of that, is what I believe that this is teaching. And so it says, Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, quote, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And so I, I don't think that was just sin. I don't think that was just uh, people going to strip clubs and, you know, doing horrible, heinous, vile things. I think it was something more than that. I think that there had actually been a genetic corruption of the flesh of all mankind other than Human Noah and his family. Different. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they looked different. I don't know what they would have looked like. They might have looked exactly like human beings, but they were corrupted. They were they were not capable of producing Jesus Christ. Okay? So oh, Jesus Christ had to have had to be perfect in all of his generations going all the way back to creation. He couldn't he couldn't be anything less than a full 100% man. And these things whatever uh. they are are not 100% man. And so if Jesus Christ had come back as a corruption of a man, then that wouldn't have worked because he needed to be born of a virgin. So there still needed to be a, a human being involved in that process, the seed of the woman, which doesn't make sense from a physical standpoint because women don't have seeds. Men have the seed, women have the egg. Okay, but the seed of the woman, so she has a seed somehow without there being an earthly physical man involved that's going to be the what ultimately crushes the head of the serpent but if if mary had had a corrupted genealogy one that had had these these benaiha elohim uh, interfere with it then she couldn't have bore jesus christ to live and die and suffer as a human uh, as 100% human being um, so okay. uh we my belief is that these cuz it says um I, I can't remember where it is, where it says it exactly, but it says that the uh, basically it says that these Benaiha Elohim they existed before the flood and after. I can't remember exactly where it says that, but it says that they existed both at this time and then also after the flood as well. My belief is that uh, we see. Uh, the ancestors of these Benaiha Elohim in Goliath. So Goliath was a, what they called him a giant. Uh, it, the Greek word implies way more than just physical stature, though it includes giant physical stature, but also other uh, almost supernatural powers are implied by the word giant in Greek, the word that they use there. And so my belief is that after the flood, the, these Benaiha Elohim figure out how to start doing it again. And then we see the rest of the Bible is God choosing his own special people to protect that lineage and to keep that lineage from being corrupted so that Jesus Christ could come from it. Ah, uh, so that's what it kind of seems like why the Jews are persecuted. <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, actually, once those promises start being made to Abraham and then to Judah and then to David, that, that hones in the attack that Satan can make. 
So Adam and Eve are created. Now he can be specific with what he's yes. going to target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pre-flood, he, was, he wasn't specific. Just all flesh got corrupted, and that's why God needed to wipe it all out. So Satan had almost won pre-flood, except for you know one man and his three sons. Now we get post-flood, and he, Satan starts doing it again, but this time God promises certain things to specific people. And once he starts making those promises specifically to Abraham, Satan can then focus on that one family. And we look, Satan doesn't attack other countries the way that he attacks the Jewish people. There, haven't, there are genocides that are committed against other groups, but no group has been has had that same that same persecution for the thousands of years that they've been persecuted now. Okay, I mean the Hitler was not the first person to persecute the Jews. It goes all the, the way back. The Bible has persecution of the Jews in Exodus, like they were slaves in Egypt for four hundred uh, years, and then they like, were they were slaves in Babylon. Uh, they were, there was a, there was a, a a man that wanted to commit genocide against the Jews in the book of, Oh, and then uh, you've got, well, you've got the book of Esther. I'm talking about Esther. Yeah. There was a man that wanted to commit genocide against the Jews in Esther. His name was Mordecai. What's that? Uh, I can't remember. It might not have been Mordecai. No, it was Mordecai. Okay. But what's the festival that they got so that they could get even with the people that were trying to kill them? Like there's like some crazy thing where they can defend themselves. I think it's called Purim. I can't remember, but yeah, basically there was a uh, uh, a day that was set aside where the the way that they were going to legally murder all the Jews is there was a day set aside where they could. The, the king had sent out a thing saying that on such and such a date, everyone can take up arms against the Jews. Um, and what they said, because the, the king's ruling in that empire, the Babylonian empire, final. once yeah. he, yeah, once he said something, that was it. He can't take it back. Uh, and so that was it set in stone so the way that he got around it is he said oh the jews can defend themselves and so the uh, <laughs> basically that's that's how they and so instead of them being massacred and genocided on that day they had been working with the king's army to get armed <laughs> and Ooh. to fight against anyone that wanted to attack them and so that was yeah. actually kind of the first second first uh instance of the second amendment being necessary to protect god's people <laughs> Um, yeah. right. And so, yeah, uh, so that's, that's kind of the story of Noah. He was perfect in his generations and that's why he was the one who could be saved through the flood to begin and restart the genealogy of the human race here on earth. Um, that's an awesome, uh, I feel super educated on that actually. Like this is all new information to me. Like, <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. And I'm, um, that's why I wanted to do this with you. Cause because you've got a great heart for for Christ and for God, but you don't have the all the knowledge yet, and you know yeah. I, you're going to ask me better questions than I would, you know, because you, you're going to come from that perspective, which I'm sure is a lot of the people hopefully that end up watching this uh, this with uh, this here. Um, so we have that. So uh, is that is that covering the Nephilim? Would you say? Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the Nephilim, um, and so. They, they are, I, I believe that they are demons or devils, whatever you want to call them or whichever ones they actually are. And that ultimately they get turned into the Greek gods and the Greek pantheon. And, and that's the stories that we have there. So that's, All that's right. kind of what I wanted to cover on that. Uh, so then we let's, have the flood. We have, yeah, we, we have Noah uh, ultimately uh, being saved through the flood. 
And what we see is that he comes out the other side, and it's his job to repopulate the world. Okay? So how does he get prompted? Let's start there. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by prompted? So where... Uh... Where is his first bit of information about, Noah, you're going to be chosen to, you know, like, th it's going to hit the fan. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that would be in verse 13 of chapter 6. Uh, and it says, uh, why don't you read it for us? All right. And God said, actually, Noah. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Start at chapter 11 or verse 11. All right. Um, the earth also was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth and indeed it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Um, its width, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. I know if you read other translations, it'll kind of give you what that is. Yeah, um, so uh, if you're unfamiliar with the term cubit, it is an ancient measuring uh, uh, word word for measurement. Uh, it is anywhere, we believe it is anywhere between about 18 inches to 24 inches long. And what it was supposed to be is it was supposed to be the, uh, I believe it's the tip of the fingers to your elbow, to your elbow. Oh, uh, or okay. it could oh, it might just be. It might just be your forearm, though. So it's either from the tip of your fingers to your elbow or from your wrist to your elbow. And so it's a, a measurement that you could use. So, you know, it, what we take for granted in 21st century America is that we have rulers that are exactly one foot long. But what we don't think about is what's a foot, <laughs> okay? How do you define what a foot is? And it used to be that the definition of a foot was actually how big the king's foot was. And so you'd actually have... Oh, my. I didn't know that. So your, so your system of measurement would actually change with, with new kings and certain things. No way. But, but there has to be a standard. So right now, the standard for how long a foot is is actually based on the kilometer or the meter. So one foot is defined precisely as a subset of a meter. So a meter is about three feet in length. Uh, if you look at the scientific definition of what a foot is, it will say it is exactly 0.3300565, whatever the number is. I don't know the specific number of a meter. And so as far as it's concerned, a foot does not actually exist. And so they actually were all on the metric system. There is no such thing as imperial system anymore. It's just a bunch of names that don't actually, that all just mean a certain length in the metric system. <laughs> it's all arbitrary so, jargon yeah yeah so uh for all of those people who were fighting against the metric system being implemented unfortunately they won everything's metric now but going back to the bible it's what, better get over it <laughs> yeah uh what would what would what would uh noah here be using as a standard for a cubit i don't know he probably if if i was building the ark I would have just gone and lopped off a, a branch and said, "This is now my cubit. I'm going to build, you know, gonna it's going to be it with this. 300 yeah. of these long, right?" Yeah. Uh, and so there's not an actual 
specific length of a cubit, but it's essentially the measurements of a forearm. And so it was very easy for you to go and measure how long something is with just your body. And so that's why a foot was a measurement. I can mark out how long something is by just walking. So if I take a certain number of steps end to end, uh, I can determine how long something is. So uh, uh, all that to say, the, the arc is actually a very interesting sign from God that we get. So the arc's dimensions are actually basically perfect. Um, uh, as far as a stable floating, uh, like our device, yes, it's the, um, so basically what we see is that the, the arc is one of the most seaworthy boats that has ever been created. Okay. Um, and so like the, you're not the, tipping that thing. No, you're not going to tip it over. Uh, there's some video. I'm trying to look up some videos at the moment. Uh, so God knows math is what uh, he's saying right here through the arc. <laughs> he's really, really smart is what he's uh, saying. I, I'm looking here. I'm going to drag this into... Hopefully this works. Uh, See if there's like another... Like I wonder what that says in NLT. Let me, let me look this up. What is that? Okay. Uh, it's Genesis 6. Um, what, 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 do you want, what are you looking at specifically? The cubit stuff. Uh, it's going to be 13, 613. It's in that paragraph. It's going to say cubit or something like that. It might give you a... a no, a it's... All right, so let me read it in NLT. Um, okay. Uh, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat, put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle and upper. Look, uh, okay. So yeah, I'll just stop there. Yeah. So it just gives you the inches. It, it's yeah. any, I, I don't like that because we don't actually know the number of inches. We believe it's about 18, but it could have been all the way up to 24 for what we know. So it, uh, yeah, I think it's just going for readability right there. Yeah. It, it's going for readability, which is fine. But you have to know that going into it, right? Uh, yeah. But while you were doing that, I, I looked up a actually a secular um, article. So this is from a website called Business Insider. Or just Insider, sorry. Oh, no, it is businessinsider.com. Uh, so this is not a Christian website. And what it says is scientists say Noah's Ark would have floated with 70,000 animals if built by dimensions in the Bible. Okay? And... What we see is that, so that's more than enough animals that, to carry two of every kind of animal. Um, what I was hoping to also find is that uh, it is uh, unusually good at, uh, unusually stable. Um, so Unusually stable? Yeah, so it, like if you build a boat, right, it's got a, it's got a length. Okay, it's, it's, let's take my phone. So it's got a, 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 a length and a width, okay? So it's got three dimensions. So let's say that we take the, my, the boat, right? And we go and we set it in the water. So let's say it's floating in the water right now, bobbing up and down. Would this orientation be a stable position for this phone to float in the water? Is it going to stay 
like no, this. It's gonna okay, flip over. it's yeah. gonna flip over like we would see it on a table. Okay, and so it's likely gonna start floating like this, and it's going to rock back and forth. Is this going to tip over from a big wave? Yeah, it has the potential to flip. It's very unlikely. It's very unlikely that this is going to flip over because there's oh, okay. so because it's flat. Okay, this will flip over for sure because it's so wobbly at the top. But this is very stable. This is a very stable orientation in the water. It's going to just kind of go up and down with the waves. Okay? The arc is built in such a way that instead of it flipping over and getting, you know, tossed uh, over, uh, flipping over and, and everything in it getting wet and dumped out of the boat, it, it almost, there's like zero scenarios where that, the arc will tip because of the specific dimensions that are being used. It can't Which flip it, this way because it's too wide, or it can't flip this way because it's too long, and it, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And it very, we use, we actually use very similar dimensions on our current like cruise ships and stuff, which is insane. Like it's the same basic ratios today that we use for modern shipbuilding that somehow made it into the Bible. Uh, you know, Somehow in Moses' time, yeah. <laughs> so, like, the perfect dimensions for like, but but how many other religious texts are there that give you the perfect dimensions for ships? And this is the the ship that made it through the most insane, craziest uh, flooding event that could ever possibly happen. There was okay. no land. Yeah, it was just tossing sea, and, and That's so. All there was. And so this ship had to be perfect. So it's not just that the Bible randomly gives us a perfect ship. The ship had to be perfect, and the dimensions given to us are perfect. Okay? That, to me, is a sign that it was written by God himself. A human being wouldn't have done that. And Moses, when if he's making this up, didn't know the proper dimensions for shipbuilding to include that in his made-up Genesis story. That didn't happen, okay? <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. He, he didn't know, he didn't just intuit the proper dimensions to make a boat to, to survive the most chaotic flood to ever have existed and that killed every single thing on the planet except what was in that boat. There was no way for Moses to come up with that number, come up with those numbers. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that, to me, is a, is a sign that, that this is, is from God. Okay, so uh, that's what I wanted to say a little bit about the arc uh, and what we see from Business Insider is that it's totally possible that especially because uh, so in the in the in the story of Noah's Ark, we're not talking about fully grown elephants. Not every single animal in the world is a fully grown elephant. Okay, it could have just been its younger self. <laughs> exactly. So we, we would see uh, babies go on the ark. And the other thing, is, babies or eggs, um, the other thing is that we also don't need to have... So the way that we do speciation today as human beings in, in, 20, in the year 2023, I think is completely wrong. So we will claim that an animal that is capable of mating with and breeding with another animal is a different species. But if we look at uh, the reality... So let's take uh, let's take a camel and a llama. So those two are technically different species, but what we but they're what like we, really really close to like yes, they're very close and they can actually breed and make an offspring. Okay, so then they're the same thing. Yeah, that's, that's what really I would good. say. 
That's what I would say, but you go look at the classification system that scientists have came up with, and they're not. They're they're in the same... They should only be able to breed with their kind, right? Yes, and so we've inflated the number of different species that would need to be on the ark. But if we look at it, in order to get... Uh, so in the last 6,000... So this, this probably happened, what, 4,000 years ago, roughly. In 4,000 years, we could... You see dogs, okay? Dogs and wolves have been bred completely apart in that same 4,000-year period. But they look... A lot of them look completely different. A chihuahua and a wolf don't even look like the same creature anymore. But they can still breed yeah. together. And so we don't need to have two of every species... We need what it's what the Bible says is we need to have two of every kind. And so it says there's kinds of animals. And so there was a kind of animal that within the last 4000 years produced a camel. And that same kind of animal, I believe, also produced a llama. Does that make sense? Oh, it comes from that one ancestor kind animal. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, and so instead of needing billions of animals on the ark, you only need thousands of animals on the ark to have one of every kind. And so then what entropy does over the next 4,000 years is degrades their genetics and creates all of the variety that we see here on Earth today. That's my belief. So okay. that's a, you know just a little bit about Noah's ark here. It, there's not a whole lot in the, in the Bible about it. It gives us the dimensions... Like it said, the, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Uh, you shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above. So it gives us some dimensions and, and some other stuff, but it's not like a huge, you know, section of the Bible. It's not multiple different chapters or anything like that. It's just a kind of a little little blurb, but we can get a lot from it. And and I think if we Those take ratios it, are really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and the fact that it's still and that we we use them today to make boats that won't flip over and 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 turn over and and stuff Can withstand crazy. really big swells and stuff. Yeah. Mm hmm. Exactly. Um. So then in chap in chapter seven we see that the Lord said we see the Lord and Noah talking to each other again. Um. And uh oh here this is a very interesting part of the Bible so. What we see here is it says in chapter, can you read cha uh, chapter 7, verse 2 right here for me? Can you see that? Yeah. Yeah, you shall take with you seven of each clean animal, a male and his female, two of each animals that are unclean, male and his female, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all of the earth. Okay. And so we see an interesting distinction here. What two kinds of animals do we see besides uh, bird and animal? What, what's the other distinction that we see? Uh, let's see. Uh, clean and unclean, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? So the do you know what, a, and... what, it, what is a clean animal and what is an unclean oh, animal? Oh, I, I know, you know this from, yeah, it's reptiles. No, 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 right. I'm not, no, 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 I'm not asking what animals are or aren't clean, but what is a clean animal? What would make an animal clean, or what are clean uh, animals used for? What are clean animals used for? Uh, eating and sacrifice? I don't there know. we go, bingo, sacrifice. Uh, so it's, it's, it is both eating and sacrifice, but the, the main thing is for sacrifice. And okay. so 
We see clean animals as a designation, and we see unclean animals as a designation. What you might not realize, because you know that later in the Bible, there will be a, a distinction made between those two animals again in the law. Right now, they ha as far as we know, there is no law. <laughs> okay? Okay. Before, before chapter 7 of Genesis... Clean and unclean animals aren't a thing. So how are they under, <laughs> to understand what it... Yeah, there's mm -hmm. some kind of meaning that we're not picking up well, or I'm not able so, to pick so, up on that. So there are there is an understanding and knowledge that Noah has of God and what God wants for his life that we don't have. Okay? And so the, we can see that very clearly here with this clean versus unclean distinction. He already so, has knowledge of God's so he, law right here. Yeah. Ex it, uh, somehow, this wasn't his law at this point, as far as we know, <laughs> but he knew it somehow. I don't know how, but he knew that that's what God had commanded was to was that there were clean and there were unclean animals. We see, um, yeah. And, and so it's just interesting to see this differentiation come about before that is actually given to the Jews as their law and their commandment. And so there were clean and unclean animals uh, for everyone. That means that today there is a separation for you and me between clean and unclean animals. What that means for us or how we should utilize that knowledge, I don't know. But it means that, like, let's say the Sabbath. Okay, so the Sabbath is another thing that is instituted in Jewish law, but human beings get that before the Jews exist. Okay, and so we see the Sabbath, God rested on the seventh day, in you know chapters one and two of genesis and so we see that the sabbath is given to all of mankind then it's not just a commandment for the jews but in exodus where we see the the ten commandments it's reiterated you will not forget you you'll remember the sabbath and keep it holy so they already knew that they should be keeping it but he's reiterating to them specifically no you need to reinstitute this practice that humanity has forgotten to do even though we knew to do it back in the times of Adam and Noah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And so uh, we see, like I said, we see uh, the Sabbath day being instituted before the Jews exist. And we see clean and unclean animals being instituted before, uh, before the, the Jewish law exists. And so that's a very interesting thing that there was a law given to them that we don't have specifically recorded. Which, which is really weird. And so that, that leads into how, I would imagine, again, this is speculation, but I would imagine that leads into how Melchizedek was saved. So Melchizedek is a priest of God that we see show up later on in Genesis, but he's a priest of God outside of the Jewish system. So before Abraham has Isaac and starts the, the line of the Jews, so before that even happens, Abraham goes and is blessed by a priest of the Most High God. He's a high priest of God the Father that we see in the Old Testament that's completely outside of the Jewish, uh, the Jewish priestly system and completely outside of any other priestly system that we see instituted in the Bible, but he's clearly a, a priest of God, and somehow uh, Abraham knew that. So it's uh, yeah. It seems like they're so that there's what what the, what this things that are almost omitted. It's not that they're omitted. What what I believe is that there is a system of 
that God gave to humanity of proper religious worship of him. So there was a true religion that human beings could have known and could have used to follow God the Father that existed before the Jews and that existed after Noah. And so at every point... Like he gave revelation to certain people, and if you were really seeking God, you would, it, would, it was find, findable, it was well, knowable. I, I, think he gave, I think he gave that revelation to Adam, and I think it was Adam's job to pass that on to his children. I think that Noah had everything that Noah needed to properly follow God, and that he was supposed to transmit that on to his sons as well, and that his sons were supposed to transmit that to us, but ultimately... Human beings are are flawed creatures, and we fail, and we didn't pass that on properly. Uh, again, pure speculation, so I want to just point this out, that it's pure speculation, and you don't need to believe it to be saved. But my belief is that what happened at right after the fall is God gave Adam the Maseroth, which is uh, another word for the Zodiac. And so we see up in the night sky a bunch of stars and patterns... And we see that there's stories behind each one of those constellations. Uh, so one of them's called Aries, another one's called Virgo, right? Do you know what Virgo means? You... Uh, probably virgin, I don't know. Yes, it means virgin. And so my belief is that the original meaning behind the Zodiac was, is, was to tell the story that God wanted like passed Messiah, down. Yeah, like the, okay. the Messiah would come through a virgin birth or something like that. Yes, and so what uh, What I've seen theories on is that if you take the name of each star in that constellation in the original Hebrew, if you take the name of each star and you put it in order of brightness, it will give you the story of the virgin birth of Christ, is my understanding. If well, we were to go cool. find all of the original Hebrew meanings of it. So that's a okay. that's a theory that I've seen that I, I really like. And I think that's originally how uh, humanity was given to pass down the laws and the ordinances that God had given to us as human beings. And that what Satan did is he attacked that and turned it into the Zodiac and turned it into something evil and gross and wicked. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Probably went into a little bit too into the weeds on that, but uh, something that I find interesting. Um, so basically, there's a worldwide flood. I believe this was a literal, physical event that actually took place on the Earth. Uh, you're free to have your own beliefs on that. I, I think that that's kind of necessary, I believe, for your, your, your belief in Christ. Uh, I, I think that it's very necessary to believe that it's it's a literal event that happened, but you can you can be a Christian and, and that's not the case, I guess. Um, I don't know where you fall on that. Uh, Austin, are, are you uh, kind of undecided on that or do you think that this was a, a literal event that took place? Uh, wait, like, what do you mean? Form that into a question. Like, so, as a new Christian, do you have an opinion on whether or not the flood actually happened? So, global... Oh, yeah, I... I well, it's interesting because um, there's there was um, I was watching Joe Rogan 
a podcast before I was saved talk about this. And mm-hmm. I was um, basically you can look at certain states like Kansas and like Missouri and like Montana, and like the the way like the landscape looks, um, it forms this certain pattern that happens when water goes over land, and you can see it like um, at beaches. It looks like veins almost. And basically, mm-hmm. he goes. Uh, he goes. There's like this very exacerbated version of that over an entire state. And he goes. <laughs> this kind of basically says that this was underwater a really long time ago, and we have a lot of evidence that like there, things have been wet and uh, submerged. Yep. So there's also findings that like I, I don't know. There's just so much stuff. Yeah, I, it's easy for me to believe that a flood okay. happened, and I'm I'm gonna believe anything that's in the Bible. Let's just be real. Like <laughs> yeah. So. No, that, and that's fair. Uh, I just wanted to see where you were at with that kind of stuff. I figured that's what you would say. And, it, you yeah. know, it's okay if you don't believe that, uh, as long as you take the Bible seriously and what it teaches about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. I think that's the most important thing. Whether or not you believe there was a flood, I don't think that's that's pertinent to salvation. But but I do believe the that that colors... Is, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but I do believe that that colors and, and shades the way that you interpret the rest of the Bible. Right. If the flood wasn't real and if the flood didn't, wasn't a literal event that happened, maybe Jesus Christ wasn't either. It is the the way that I what I would be worried about if I was a person that didn't believe in the literal flooding of the earth, you know, uh, at the time of Noah. No, I read I read Genesis like a history book and it's kind okay. of. How I th- uh, yeah, I, I, I very much read it as a history book. I read it very much as a science book. Uh, it. it if you look at the science that exists in the Bible, it lines up perfectly every single time. So like I said, with the Ark, the dimensions were perfect. So if you go and you make a little model Ark and you try to float it in your bathtub, it's going to be stable in a way that most other boats aren't stable and most other dimensions of boats aren't stable either. If you look at the medical information that's contained in the book of Exodus, where Moses is telling the people how they are supposed to interact with each other in camp, uh, where they're supposed to go to the bathroom. So the Jews actually were commanded by God not to poop inside their camp. They had to go outside of the camp of Israel in order to defecate. And what we see is that that sounds pretty common sense to us today in 2023, where we know to wash our hands after we use the bathroom and we know the germs and the disgusting not you know the disgusting filth that comes with with poop just laying around everywhere but they didn't understand that then the 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 egyptians one of the one of the things that was in their medicine cabinet was alligator dung one of the, one of the things you'd do is you'd get a cut or some you know something like that and you'd go and you'd rub alligator poop into your wound okay so moses who had been trained by all of the smartest egyptians in their medicine and in their their ways of thinking and in their versions of basically science at that point, he got trained in all the best knowledge that the Egyptian, that the Egyptians had, but we don't see any of that nonsense creeping into the Bible. We don't see any of their bad science practices that show up in the Bible. And in fact, the science that we do show that does show up in the Bible, 100% is accurate. So it's only stuff that God instituted at that point, mm -hmm. right? Well, and who has a better understanding of how our world works, me and you, or uh, or a scientist, or God, the creator of the universe? And the answer is God, right. the creator of the universe, has a much better understanding of how the world works. And so, you know, I, what I, the reason I say this here at the beginning is because I, I hope that our listeners and the people that watch us 
read the Bible from the standpoint of it's 100% correct. It's not some silly story that we got told as a kid, but it's, it's actual, yeah. yeah, it's actual real history. It's actual real science. These, these events really happened. You can go and you can check line by line the words in the Bible and they line up and they're true. Every single time you go and you check them against the facts and the, 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 the history that we have available, it ends up being true. Or when you check it against the history we have available, it turns out the history that we have available is wrong. And so there's been people for thousands of years that have claimed that the stuff that shows up in the Bible isn't really true because we can't find it. And then we go do a little bit more searching and a little bit more digging in it. And we ultimately end up finding it. My understanding is that there's basically no lost cities from the Bible anymore. Every city that's named, we've actually lined up and found the real world equivalent that existed at the time. That's awesome. But, but the other thing is if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm Paul, and I'm making stuff up and I'm making up this letter, the things that I put in that letter aren't necessarily going to be geographically consistent. He didn't have a, he didn't have a perfect GPS satellite map of the world to draw from to, to write these letters. And so if he hadn't actually been in these places that he claimed and hadn't actually written down the things that he saw, if he was just making it up, he'd make up stuff that was wrong and incorrect and we could go and easily fact check it but the fact that these letters have existed for 2000 years with that fact checking and they still stand the test of time proves that it's real and it's legitimate if you could just easily yeah. go and check and look at the the description that he has of like a city like rome uh, we could easily deter determine whether or not he was actually there or not so again all of that to say i know i got pretty far afield from uh from genesis here I just, I take the the Bible very seriously, and I take what God says in it very seriously, and I would tend to believe that the Bible is accurate, even over modern science. So if, if there, because, you know, there's things about modern science that change and will be different and wrong when we look back at, at it in 10 years from now. But we look at, look at the Bible, it's 100% correct always, so. Okay. All yeah, right, I, so that's kind of the... That's kind of the flood. Um, and so basically because of the wickedness, because of the sin that had crept into the corruption of the flesh, that had crept into the earth uh, because of the devil and his plotting and because of sin, we, uh, the earth had to be wiped clean, had to be, the slate had to be wiped fresh. And so God sent a flood, killed off all of the corrupt evil generations of man leaving noah who is our all of our common ancestor so you and me and every other human being on the planet can trace back our genealogy to this man and to one of his three sons if not more uh, and his three sons were named shem ham and japheth so that's my belief is that we can trace everything back to him and what we see in the so you what scientists have done is they've taken uh, our DNA, they've sequenced our DNA, and there's actually two different kinds of, of DNA that you have. You have the regular DNA that exists in your cell that builds all the different building blocks of your body, but there's also a different kind of DNA called mitochondrial DNA. And so uh, one, one thing that everybody from the 90s remembers is that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But uh, the other thing about the mitochondria is that it has its own separate, distinct DNA that is passed down specifically from the mother. So this is DNA that is not uh, changed by your father being involved. And so what we see in this DNA is we can actually trace back the fact that there was a point at which all of humanity, scientists will say, that there was a, a bottleneck where there were only a few hundred or a few thousand members of the human species. And so based on this mitochondrial DNA and on the fact that it's, it, it doesn't change very much, um, we can trace it back and see that, this, that, that at one point there was a very, very, very small number of human beings. And they can tell that this was after human beings first came about. So what science, what science teaches currently today in 2023 is that there was a point where uh, monkeys evolved and, and slowly changed over time till they were human beings, okay? After we became human beings, there was a point where the number of human beings dropped and dipped below a few thousand members of the species. Okay, does that, does that make sense so far? Yeah. And do you kind of see yeah. why that why that would be important? Why science saying that is important? Um, not really. Be, I'm because not, not because very <laughs> because genetically, what I believe is that this is a remnant of the flood. Okay, the fact that science is seeing that there was a point where they say we got down to only a few thousand people, I say we got down to eight. Okay. They're, they're, <laughs> okay. I see my 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 number is eight. Okay. Uh, I, I believe at one point there were only eight people on this planet, based on what the Bible tells me, and the fact that science can get us within, a, you know, based on the, the total number of human beings to ever exist within a, a fraction of a percent, okay, that's basically the same story. They're, they're just off by a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but, that's, but that's it, pretty crazy. But science teaches us that there was a flood, or there was some event that destroyed most of humanity, and that there was a group of people that had to restart humanity at one point. Can okay? we find that in the mitochondrial DNA? And so we can find traces of that, evidence for that, in the mitochondrial DNA. Is it because, wait, again, all right, I'm sorry so, to kind of like track so, is it because we can only find a thousand different like strains of this certain basically yeah they i i don't know if that's exactly it but that's the line of thinking that they're using because of the way that the dna changes because it's only passed down from your mother they can tell that at some point in recent human history and by recent i mean recent on their timeline they they believe the universe is billions of years old so recent would be within the last few thousand ten thousand years tens of thousands of years would be recent for them so so their teaching says that we got down to this small number of people. And so for me, when science and the Bible agree like that, that to me just says that science is a little bit off and it's almost there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to see how genetics actually ends up confirming what the Bible teaches rather than what man thinks and what man believes about genetics. Yeah, yeah, I, it's, yeah. Um. All right, so we have covered, oh, uh, mention the rainbow. Yes, so at the end, uh, end here, um, where are we at? 
we came to um the post flood and yeah i'm, I'm looking at people now yeah, yeah, yeah i'm looking for the verse for you okay so okay overboard overburn and the words Uh, uh, start reading, oh, yeah, start reading chapter 8, verse, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took of every clean animal, and of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Whoa, he was burning animals. And the mm -hmm. Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Okay. Um, so what's interesting nine. is it's like, it's like Noah gave this offering and God smelled it. And he was like, oh, you know what? Oh, you know, I'm never going to, I'm not going to do this ever again. He's like, you are so good. Like, mm. <laughs> it's almost like we, or not we, it's almost like Noah's um, uh, act there was so pleasing to the Lord that he was like, you know what? I'm just not going to do that again. <laughs> Bas uh, and that's kind of it. That's pretty close. What What I would say is that, what God is really recognizing there isn't the the aroma of the meat, which is very good. I mean, just be go go next one in and out, and you can smell the the food <laughs> being cooked on their grill from a mile right. away, right? So it's a very sweet it's a sweet aroma to a human being to smell that burning meat. I don't think God cares about meat being burned, right? I I, I don't think that God really cares that the that the animal was 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 killed what i think god really found sweet and and soothing about that was the faithfulness of noah ultimately so again he needed to do those things god had commanded noah to do those things and so of course they they did smell good to god but that wasn't exactly what god was looking for that was just the way that god got what he was looking for which was noah to be faithful mm. and so i think that's what was really what was pleasing to god Though it does say directly in the in the Bible here that the aroma itself was that the Lord smelled it and it was soothing, like you said. So it does literally say that. So I can't say it doesn't mean that. But I think it has more than just that. Well, because well. like it, it, I, I know somewhere in the Bible, it says like when we pray that it comes up to heaven as incense. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. So I'm thinking that his act of faithfulness went up to heaven as incense, and it's just that the faithfulness smelled good. Do you know what I mean? Not not the barbecue, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, exactly. All right, and so now, okay, got... so the the rainbow doesn't come until verse uh eleven. <laughs> um. So let me let me just read it real quick here. I'll read this portion. For, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So a secondary command to be fruitful and multiply, uh, and this time to fill the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be on every beast of the earth, 
on every bird of the air, on all that move on the earth, and on all of the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely you, for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. So what, what is, is he that? saying right here? If you kill somebody, I will require your blood. Is so that let me he... in verse uh, in verse six it it, re, it reiterates it and it says, quote, "Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it." So what it's saying is that so this wait, hold on. Hold on. So this means if somebody violently attacks me and in the struggle they die, does this mean that like I'm to be that my blood is is required of me by no by God? That okay. that's right. not right. at all what it's saying. What, <laughs> I can't it, do it now. <laughs> what it's what it's saying is that when it says when it says sheds man's blood, it doesn't mean sheds as in you accidentally like tripped a guy and he scraped like his knee and now he's bleeding. Blood. It's talking about murder in cold blood. So it's talking about a, a Cain and Abel event where, where Cain in cold blood murders his brother, okay? And what it's saying is whoever kills another man, by man his blood shall be shed. So it's not saying that God's going to strike them down, okay? So the let God strike me down thing, that's not, that's not a thing. God doesn't claim he's going to strike anybody down if they lie or say something against him. But what it's saying is that governmental institutions on the earth will ex have the duty to execute someone who murders another man. So the way that that worked uh, in uh. Noah's time and from Noah's time uh, all the way up until the Jews and even with the Jews is there would be a kinsman. So if, if let's say that I murdered you, okay? If I murdered you, there is some other man in your family who would be uh, the person, the, uh, the, the there, there, there's, a, there's a really cool title. I can't remember. It's something like the, it's not the, it's the, it's not the destroyer of blood, but it's like, it's something cool like that. It's like the, uh, ba basically what it's saying is that there is someone in your family that would be responsible to kill me in vengeance for that act. Okay. And it's saying that that's righteous. That's what that's what God is saying is that if you murder someone, it's righteous for another man to kill you for that as the as the punishment yeah, for your crime. Yeah, I think yeah, I think letting people criminals, especially those who have murdered other people, go. Mm -hmm. I think that's super sick and twisted. Like, um, it, if it's, it's a, so, what we see in the Bible, and I kind of agree with it, probably because it's what's best for us. But what we see in the Bible is that there's there's separations between different crimes, okay? So murder should be met with execution. If you murder someone, you should be executed legally, right? Now, there's other kinds I'm of crimes. There's, there's, yes. there's theft, there's petty crimes, there's jaywalking, you know. So we can have lower uh, punishments for other crimes, I, personally, I don't believe p prison should be a, a punishment for basically any crime. I think that's a, a heinous and, and sick, twisted way. You should either pay way. back what you've costed somebody else, and if you've actually costed them your life, then you should be executed. But is it, I, you should compensate people fairly, right? Uh, and and then... what the, Well, what the Bible says is there's certain scenarios where you pay them back double. 
Uh, there's actually certain scenarios where you pay him back five times as much, depending on what you did biblically. I would say that a much more fair system, rather than putting somebody in prison, would be chopping limbs off. I'm totally down <laughs> to pass laws where where you you rob, you you rob CVS. I'm totally down for you going to trial and one of the punishments being that you, you... lose your right hand or whatever, yeah. the, or your left hand or whatever. Yes, yes, exactly. You can only do it... that like one more time. <laughs> exactly, and, and you're and you're not going oh, to. My. But the, but but the other thing is it also makes it harder for you to be a repeat offender. Like it's literally <laughs> harder for me to go pickpocket somebody if I don't have my right hand. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's and the other thing is, it's 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 going to make you a lot more dependent on your family. So you have to be a better citizen, in general, if you have lost a limb, just to survive in ancient times. Okay. Today so it's a better, lot easier. You better have a network of support because that's going to suck if you're disabled like that. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I obviously there would be instances where people would be unfairly delimbed. <laughs> um. And, and and that's not a laughing matter. Obviously, we both know somebody who, who is missing a limb, and, and it's an incredible struggle. But it's also not fair that our society is taking on a $40,000 a year burden because somebody robbed a, a CVS, okay? They're, what's fair to society is that you don't break the law. That's what's fair. And what's fair to society is that we don't spend ridiculous amounts of money Other people's putting money. you in a box. Of my money, your money, putting yeah. you in a box to punish you for a crime and feeding you three square meals a day. No, it's I, like, follow the law or else, and I like that. Yes. <laughs> I like it so and, much. And, it, and then and I it can would... walk the streets knowing that other people have the fear of the law in them, and, which is an ordinance given by God, right? Mm -hmm. the, the authorities exactly. are an ordinance given by God, so it's, yeah. And, it, and, and the last thing that I want is for these punishments to be actually you know, used, Happening. I would hope that, yeah. I would hope that we live in a society where we don't have to chop your hand off, where we don't have to do these things because you're a thief, right? No, but I God want that law on the books. No, God wants to be in a society to... where, like, you, you need something, you ask somebody, and mm -hmm. he's telling his church to be generous to other people. Yes. Like, when, so it shouldn't be this need where you, you're like, oh, I gotta steal. Like, no, dude, you should be able to ask other people who are generous, like, enough to give you stuff. Like, you Exactly. Know? Well, and, and what's crazy is, is our society is so incredibly wicked and evil that we've basically got all of our, our basic needs met. The, the people that are going into a CVS and, and, and stealing it aren't going into the CVS to steal the bananas, okay? The banana stand doesn't get... <laughs> doesn't get ransacked except for fun to throw it at somebody it's not like they're taking food to go eat so these these people aren't ransacking cvs's because they're 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 starving like i could have some amount of pity for for someone who's ransacking a cvs because they literally don't have anything to eat and their whole city doesn't have anything to eat except in the cvs right but that's not the case they're going in they're stealing all the makeup they're stealing all the electronics they're stealing all the high value stuff because they're greedy okay they all have a smartphone. They all have more entertainment. They all have more access to to jobs and money making than any person on the planet before the year 1999. Okay, the the what what I can do with this phone is just absolutely insane, and the the equality that it's it brings a computer. to yeah. everybody. But the but the equality that it brings. I I go. I earn. I earn tens of thousands of dollars. I've earned tens of thousands of dollars, not with this phone, but with the, the previous phone that I had. 
because I was, you know, driving for Uber. So you can go make money and get the things that you need to survive having a cell phone, which basically everybody has, even the most poor among us have a version of a cell phone that will work. And if you don't, enough. the government was trying to give you free phones anyway, so mm-hmm. you have to have a phone at this point. And the free phone from the government's better than my phone I paid for, so and and, and and not a single one of those people that's going into that store and stealing from it are are starving. Not a single one. I, I would bet you money, not a single one. And no, so it's yeah. purely it's purely greed, purely them seeing how much that people like, you know, how many how much stuff people like Bill Gates have and, and Elon Musk have and how many billions of dollars they have and going, you know, it's it's right for me to steal because they have so much and it's it's just sick. Look, I can tell you that if you're genuine in your pursuit of other people's genu- generosity and you have a sign that says, can I have something to eat, please? And you go stand out in front of a store, somebody in 10 minutes is going to get you something to eat. Like, people are willing to get you stuff. They don't want to give you money, and they don't want to be approached for their money. But if you need some food, people are willing to do that for you. Even atheists, even people who are outside of the church. There, yeah. I, before before God, I remember, like, I, I saw this homeless guy who had a really creative sign. He somehow printed out a picture of all the ingredients of a hamburger and said, buy me a burger. And I thought it was so creative, and I went and got him a Jumbo Jack. I'm not even joking. I was yeah. like, just because you went through that effort, I'm going to do this. Like, And I was, this was like before I was saved and stuff. So I can tell you, if you're asking for food, people will give it to you. And it's, yeah. it's no big deal, right? We're, it's, you know? Well, and, and, so. and, and, and in this country today, we don't know what a famine is. We have no comprehension of what it means that the crops failed. Okay. Thank the Lord. Honestly, <laughs> like, that that's the that's the biggest blessing that none of us realize that we have. The crops failed is not doesn't bring terror to your ears. Like you don't hear that and go and remember the winter of 08. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really. Okay. Like you just that, remember the shelves of 2020, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and that was <laughs> and, and that was we were low on toilet paper, but nobody ever starved and. and Right. You know, and it's just it's so sad that we're so wicked and evil and and vile humans. And and I'm no better than any of those thieves in the CVS. This is not me on some kind of a high horse. No, we're we're equally sinners, yeah. Yeah, I'm an equal I'm equally a sinner to them. Before Christ. <laughs> um but you know, there there's there's so I'm not high and mighty, but it's just so sick that that humanity is so broken and twisted that that we we aren't starving, we aren't really we may not be the richest people when we may have problems in our lives, but, you know, the basic problems, Maslow's hierarchy of needs are met. We have water. We have food. Most people have shelter. Like, that's just, those just aren't with issues. I'm not what that is, but it sounds like it's and, uh, and, somebody creating a basic structure of what every human needs, right? Yes. Yeah, so in uh, psychology, there was a, a man named Maslow, and he created a hierarchy of needs. And so what What's he, at the top? he believed... Uh, I mean, the, the, ultimately, you, you go from the most basic needs to... Is it calories? The, the, mo- the most basic needs are food, water, shelter... Uh, clothing. I think clothing. That actually might be on the next one up. But that might also be in shelter. Basically, the, the three basic ones are food, water, and shelter. And yeah, so then you sense. then once you have those covered, you can then worry about the next level of needs. 
So once I have food, water, and shelter covered for today, then I can go up a level, and that worry would mean that I need to have... and stuff like that. Well, no, so then I need to worry about having a job so I can provide food, water, and shelter tomorrow, right? And so oh. then you start getting into higher needs. I, I would need to go look into it. It's not worth us looking at, but... Oh, okay, well, that's interesting. On, on the hierarchy of needs, basically the entire country of the United States has all three of those met. Yeah. There's a few thousand people out of 350 million that might not fit in that. And if we wanted to, we could solve that problem very easily as a society, but we just don't want to. So, Yeah, it's the <laughs> part of the people who could do something, and then it's also a part of the people who... So, like, the people who have the money who could do something, there's a, there's a lack of something there. And then the people who are homeless and need the help, there's a lack of something there as well. And I don't uh, even want to put my finger on it, but there's, yeah, like, a lack my, on both the, sides. The, the lack, I think, is freedom. I think the problem is that we've decided that it's the government's job to take care of people. And so instead of Bill, you know, instead of uh, Elon Musk needing to go and make a school lunch program with his billions of dollars, the government's going to pay for a school lunch program for children. Okay. So instead of us meeting the needs as a community and, and the rich people in our community being pressured to take care of the poor, they have no pressure to take care of the poor. That's the government's job. You see what I'm saying? And if yeah. that's the... Okay, so we got off a little bit far afield there on our governmental <laughs> beliefs, but it, but it does stem from this verse, okay? This is where it is instituted that we are, we are commanded to, as a society, take care of and eliminate the people who murder other humans. That's, what that's I'm our... gathering from this is it's sin not to do that. Uh, if God I, is saying X and you don't do it, that is if, sin. If, so. if you, yeah, if you're the person that's responsible. So, again, there's different systems for different times. And so at this time, when this is said, there was a kinsman who was responsible to go and to, to, ex to execute justice, for lack of now a better word. Police, so right? so now we have ceded that to police and to other 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 things. I don't agree with that a hundred percent. I think that there's a good use of the police force, but that again, that's a separate issue. I, we don't need to get into it. Don't take what I said to think you know what I'm saying. Um, but what you wanted to talk about the rainbow, so that comes up in verse twelve. Uh, but I'll read the next the paragraph before that. It starts in verse eight. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is, a, this is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my rainbow in the cloud, and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh the rainbow shall be in the cloud and i will look on it oh, okay yeah sorry and god said to noah this is the sign of the covenant which i have established between me and all the flesh and all flesh that is on the earth 
okay? So that's where we see the rainbow is instituted as a reminder. This is our deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and so that's, again, what, what Satan does is he takes the things in the Bible, he takes biblical concepts, and he twists them, and he makes them into things that are evil. And so that's why when we see here in, you know, the, the late, you know, 19, 1900s and early 2000s that there, that the, the gay community has taken the, the, the symbol of the rainbow. And that's what Satan does is he takes those symbols and he twists them and reuses them for his own purposes. Uh, we see that uh, when Jesus Christ is being tempted by Satan, Satan doesn't just talk to him. He actually uses scripture in his defense of what he's doing and in, and, and in his argument with Jesus. But what he does is he takes that scripture and he twists it slightly to say something it slightly doesn't say. And so that's why we need to, to know what scripture is and we need to be looking out for the ways that Satan twists that and changes it to make it his own message rather than God's. Do you, do you roughly know when the book of Genesis was written? Like, actually? Uh... So uh, as far as the year, like the year it was written. Yeah. So what, what the Bible teaches and what I believe is that Moses wrote it. And that would have been about 4,000 years or about 2000 years before Christ. So 2008 uh, BC, correct? I I believe. Let me, let me see. So the reason, no, you're good. You're good. The reason why I'm even bringing this up is because in the Holy scriptures, 2000 BC, the rainbow is instituted by God as an agreement that he is saying between him and man, look, you can look at this rainbow and you can know that it means that I am not going to flood you again. That's so it's, it's God's like deal. It's he's saying like, look, you can see this and know like, so it's, if people were ever unsure, I just wanted, it's like, yeah, it's like the same thing with marriage. Like I hope people understand that marriage comes from God and he wanted us Mm -hmm. to do it. So it's, (laughs) you're borrowing from God. You're borrowing from a create, from from a christian or a jewish worldview when you you a use the rainbow or b try to get married so if you wanted to you know reject god you wouldn't do those things you wouldn't use the rainbow and you would not get married so that's that it's so it's just really weird but yeah yeah. well and and but the the interesting thing about it is you know i I would get into a lot of trouble if we got. <laughs> Never, I'm just not going to say it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, tread, tread, tread um, carefully. We got to like, tread carefully. Like we got to tread carefully on on this. We got to. We won't be on Twitch or YouTube if uh, if we're not careful with the way we say things. Well, too, because we're we're just reacting to the Bible and then expressing our opinions. Um, that's yeah. how this is to be taken. It's well, not and, like, yeah. Uh, look. I'm not condemning anyone. Uh, I'm equally a sinner as as is any gay person or not gay person. Like, I, I'm not claiming to have any better status because of anything that I've done we or have haven't a different done. Different sin. We we have yeah. So yeah. like it's it's a different like I I could get into what my struggles are, but I have a struggle and you have a struggle. And for people who are in the gay community, that's their struggle if they mm-hmm. cared to submit themselves to the Lord. Right. It's, yep. We are all sinners and it just depends on what your sin is and what your temptations are. So yep. it it's not. Yeah, we're in the, we're all in the same boat. We all need Jesus. We all want to go to heaven <laughs> and there's only one way. Yep. So <laughs> yep. I just it's interesting to me that the sign that God gave us, that is a sign that the earth had been rid of all corrupted and evil flesh from what I believe the Benai Elohim had done. 
Um, it's interesting how that's the symbol that Satan corrupts. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, when but it's he talking has to, about cause... corrupt. Well, when it's talking about corrupted <laughs> flesh, I just leave it at that. Oh, that's ironic. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm, just, um, I'm just saying but... that's a little, little interesting um, that he chose that one. Uh, it's not so what I what I've also noticed is like he doesn't create anything of his own he just takes what God has made and then mm -hmm. twists that because I feel like there yep. really only is what God has made I don't think well, we can create stuff right we like, do not <laughs> in general we do not create matter and create the laws of the universe the way that God did so yes that's the difference between what Satan does and what humans are supposed to do is Satan twists things to his own ends and changes things to to glorify himself. What humans are supposed to do is we're supposed to use our knowledge and our creativity and our our spark of the divine, as like Jordan Peterson would say. It, we're supposed to, to use that God. to glorify God and to worship God. That that's what our our purpose is. So you're supposed to go and create a song no one's ever heard because that will glorify God and because it's awesome. And you creating it, God being the creator of you. That's awesome, but you're using the things that God gave you in order to be able to create anything. And so what we're supposed to do as humans is create things. Stewarding to... gifts almost, right? Mm -hmm. And stewarding talents, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And Satan wants to corrupt that and use those things to glorify himself and wants to teach us to do the same thing where we use those gifts to glorify ourselves or ultimately what he would like is to glorify him, but... You know, whatever he can do. To Anything trick you, that's not gonna... Christ, right? That's the that's yeah. his ultimate goal. <laughs> exactly, and so, uh, uh, you know, this probably wouldn't be a bad place to kind of leave it. We're at a we're at the new, the new world, the new creation. We'll uh we'll get into the story of the Tower of Babel and those things. Uh, yeah, next that'll week. be exciting for the next episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. And then uh, after that, we will get into Abraham and, and all the cool things that happened with him over the course of his life and, and how he's kind of one of the most important figures in the Bible, uh, kind of a central figure. Uh, before him and after him, there's, there's a lot of differences in the way that God interacts with his creation. So it's interesting to, to kind of see that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I also wanted to open it up to any of the, the viewers that if they had any questions or anything to wherever you're viewing this, just put the question there and we'll get mm -hmm. to it for next week. And yep. um, yeah, I look forward to any of the intellectual, wholehearted questions that people are going to give us. Even yep. if even if you don't agree with us, you can still be wholehearted in your in your pursuit of, you know, your curiosity and what we believe, right? If you believe something completely contrary to what we believe and you just want to know why we believe it, that's totally cool. Just as yeah, long as we're all respectful, you know? Exactly. That's the number one thing is it, it, questions and comments can be made with respect or without respect. And I'm only going to interact you... with the ones that are respectful personally. I just want to, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, same. There's no reason not to interact or inter there's no reason to interact with any, like disrespectful stuff. And, yeah. and too, like if you have a different belief, what I'm interested in is what you believe that why it's contrary. So it's like, say you're a Jew, right? Or say you, you're, you have a different religion, right? And or a different belief entirely. So it's like, why, uh, why do you guys believe X? I don't believe X because my religion teaches me that on the topic of X, we should Y, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would love to actually understand what you're taught contrary to what the Bible teaches. And we can have an open dialogue about that, about the mm -hmm. contrast between your religion and what, what the scriptures say, you know, that, that, that'd be really wholehearted, honestly. So exactly. I'd, I'd love to see that. that.
Yeah. So, uh, thank you uh, for joining me again, uh, Austin. You know, we Absolutely. probably should have. Uh, we yeah. So I'm very happy that we got to get this done. Uh, more technical problems, but we're working through them and and getting through it. So we'll uh, yeah, we'll yeah. get. I think the final product that everybody's going to see this week will be good. But uh, there was some lost footage, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. So. <laughs> it, it's okay. I, I think it gives us the chance to refine our, our product a little more. So it's yep, cool. Exactly. So uh, we'll have another episode for you, hopefully a little earlier than 6 p.m. next week. <laughs> yeah, but what you can uh, count on is we have been consistent to upload to record and be live on every Saturday since we've started yep. this venture. So um, if you enjoy the topics that you've heard, you can know that on Saturdays around noon, there will be, um, a stream, you know, and we're going to try to make that earlier. Um, um you know. I think we, we discussed 10 AM, I think is, is the goal. I would like to go live at that time. I would yeah. like to meet up with you and be on with you earlier than that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we, I'm just telling our, our, uh, audience for next week, we're going to try yeah. to shoot, we'll shoot for, for 10, 10 AM. Yeah. So we're we're still getting used to this whole streaming stuff and a lot of technical issues and personal things and setting this this time aside is tough. So we're working we on it. Work we're, we're trying time to be, yeah. And our first ability, our first day off, we're scheduling a stream. So <laughs> it's like you know. Yep. Yep. So uh, thank you all for joining us. I hope that you have a wonderful evening and a great week. Uh, we'll have some clips for you to share. Uh, with your friends and your family uh, throughout the week from this episode. So I, I hope that you check those out, like those, comment on them, and share them with your friends. My name's Ryan. You can see some of the personal stuff that I do to share the gospel on all the major social media networks. My name is As It Is Written. Uh, you can check me out uh, at AIIW.org. All right, and my name is Austin. I'm a co-founder of Apostles Attic. You can go to apostlesattic.com for Christ-centered gospel um, apparel. Um, I also wanted to throw out there that I was I wanted to do um, like shirt giveaways um, at like 50 subs and like 100 subs and different milestones and stuff like that. Where are we at with YouTube uh, right now? With YouTube, so YouTube, we're I at wanted to base 20. this around YouTube. We're so, at 20, uh, perfect. So um, around 50, 50 subs, I will give a, a shirt away. But we have to, we'll have to make it some some kind of form that you have to enter some way. So it's not just you know. And even if one person enters, I don't care. You're getting the shirt. But <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> totally we're just cool. spit we're spitballing how the how this contest or how this giveaway might work. So we're, we'll look into all the applicable laws and regulations. I'm just down to else. to yeah. give a shirt away. We can look into all of that. How we yeah. Just just stating that for the public record, <laughs> for oh, anybody okay, to okay, ask. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that that'll be really cool. Uh, I'm really uh, appreciative of Austin and everything that he's doing with Apostles Attic. So please go check them out. Check out their shirts and their their jackets. And one of you, when we get to 50 subscribers over on YouTube, may be lucky enough to get one. So thank you for joining us. I hope that you have a wonderful week. We are going to be signing off. Goodbye. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.